Kia ora and welcome to Circuit Cast. My name is Mark Williams. Today we're talking to John Walter, a British artist exhibiting in Aotearoa as part of the group show Queer Algorithms, now on at Gus Fisher Gallery in Auckland until 2nd of May. Queer Algorithms features artists whose artwork, commentary and activism is reconfiguring new algorithms for change against continued systems of exclusion. Resisting labels, binaries and the need to categorise, Queer Algorithms is conceived from an intersectional viewpoint where gender, fluidity and identities are understood as always multifarious and in flux. So that's the press release and with me to discuss this and their work in the show is John Walter. Kia ora John. Hi, how are you? Very well, thanks. Nice to see you. <laughs> you too. So John, you've got more than one work in the show, but the overriding thread, at least visually, is this idea of maximalism. For those people out there in podcast land who haven't seen your work, could you describe what maximalism looks like in your practice? Yeah, so maximalism I would now call complexity. And I don't make things, A, that are minimal looking, but maximalism, maximalism isn't exclusively the, the opposite of, of minimalism. It's to do with, so it's, it is partly to do with visual excess and visual luxury and having colour and something to look at but it's more to do with uh, saying more is different. So as a line of inquiry, rather than closing down avenues of possibility, I let them open up as in any tree. And the, the question is, how do I mentally manage this complexity? And what form does that take for you to look at? Well, you come in and you see paintings, you see wallpapers, you see a video submerged within a wallpaper, you see a film, you see costumes, so uh, the, the maximalism that I practice is not medium specific and it's to do with how do I take information across borders between disciplines, between materials. So it's about big, building a bigger world that usually arrives at a, um, an installation that includes film and video as well. And then increasingly that's moving into working in virtual reality as a container for all these things. So tell us about the works that are actually in the show. Are these new works, existing works, a mixture of both? So these are works that were made for a project called Capsid that I uh, realised in 2018. And Capsid takes the uh, emblem of a protein shell that's inside a virus as the starting point for a series of explorations. The, the, the sort of legend of which is this film, A Virus Walks Into a Bar. So. I've, I've worked a lot around HIV, uh, previously in a project called Alien Sex Club. So this grows out of that, but this looks at the molecular workings of the virus. So I was working with a lab in London, Towers Lab, and uh, started to describe to people what this project was. They would say, so yeah, what is this? And I said, imagine a virus walks into a bar. And that seemed to be a great moment to make this film. So. It tells the life cycle of the virus from attachment onto the cell, which in my film becomes the equivalent of a, uh, a Zorb rolling up to a pub, right through to spitting out new viruses. But it's depicted in a very absurd way using costuming and strange use of English language, references to David Lynch and so on. But then this is only one part of the work. Then you have these big paintings that take a particular moment in the life cycle of the virus, what, uh, they're called cofactors. So the successful virus particle 
uses subterfuge to infect you. It uses stealth and evasion and it gets your immune system to disguise itself. And then it gets under the hood and viruses are Trojan horses essentially. And, and once they've bombed your, the nucleus of your cell with their genetic logic, they turn your body into a factory for making more virus. And this is a great way for me to rethink how we might make a color field painting or uh, an excuse to make some absurd onesies or there's a, a video called the zany capsid which theorizes that there's a, a, a virus that um, is communicated through sneezing that triggers everyone to become um, an itinerant worker <laughs> um, so you know an, another answer to your previous question is my maximalism is about lateral thinking and, uh, and, and, and gluing unlikely things together into new holes. I'm also interested in that, um, that context of the bar, because that's a recurrent motif in your practice. Uh, yeah. And it seems to relate obviously to a much wider sort of social uh, condition or social space. What does the bar signify for you? So the bars started off, so, so the bar in the film is a set, and I also don't appear in the film, I'm the director. But bars previously have been about introducing hospitality as a device for showing my work. And the reason for doing that was, A, I hated going to openings. And I felt that it was really miserable if you went and there was a bucket of beers and people were dressed in black, not talking to you. The artist should offer you a gin and tonic, possibly a cake. This should be in a glass. You should introduce yourself to them. And then it should be about talking about the work. So the bar could be um, an exhibition space, but it could also be a, a space of dissemination. It, it furthers my belief that the artist should go towards the viewer. So I'm not interested in making exclusive things. I'm not interested in backing up the rhetoric of the artist as mysterious or mystical. You know, I think this stuff is mechanical. Art is another branch of, uh, of nature. Culture is another branch of nature. And as you know, it should be dis discernible. Anybody should be able to come into this work and experience it and get something out of it. So the bar is a great device that people know how to use already. Most people have been to a bar, even if they don't drink, they understand the relational device going on. Um, then within this film, it's an extension of that into a new, much grander um, sort of cinematic take on that thing. Um, but yeah, I want people to have fun when they come to art. There is, there does seem to be though, a hint at a kind of like toxicity to mainstream British culture though, in, in that work. I mean, and even some of the language you would adopt and a kind of, um, well, you kind of adopt a English humour that kind of takes people down, if you like. Yes. The, 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 the wit or the, um, yes. there's a whole section where people are talking backwards and it just sounds like Shakespearean English. Um, and, and the film makes reference to two soap operas that we have, EastEnders and Coronation Street, which are big passions of mine and have featured uh, in paintings. You know, I painted Pat Butcher, I've painted lots of the characters from Coronation Street. And these are, um, I don't really believe in the high-low inversion. I think everything is both. But there are things that may be more popular than others. And certainly 
um, you know, my mum might know more about the characters in EastEnders than about, um, you know, the latest post-minimalism. And so that's my thinking. And, and yeah, I think it helps. I'd like to ask you about visibility. Um, in your work, you show people wearing uh, the virus suit. Um, mm. But at the same time, people don't necessarily want to be defined by the virus per se. So mm. how do you walk this kind of tightrope of visibility and representation in your work? So this ties into your very first question as well. So a big part of this work is it's, it pivots against uh, Felix Gonzalez Torres. It, it's against the way HIV has been represented in visual art previously to this. So, uh, you know, there is a predominantly post-minimal discourse on this subject mm -hmm. that has crept right up to the present day in younger artists or, or artists my age like Prem Sahib. And, and what this project does is it, it takes from a different lineage from key pairing and from general idea and says, we can represent HIV differently. And also because the subject is different than it was in the 90s, because it's not a death sentence and because we have access to good treatment and prevention now, we also can use humour in a different way. Humour has always been a, a, an element of the adjectprop around HIV. Tragic comedy has been a coping mechanism. But now my argument really is that there's a different um, realm that this subject um, inhabits. And, and my work is a way of inhabiting that space differently and celebrating HIV for being an incredible thing. You know, it's essentially just a message that's parceled up in an envelope that all it, it doesn't have agency. It's not alive like we are. It's, um, it's just a piece of programming. And, but it does a great job of getting itself replicated and so in empathizing with it and anthropomorphizing it, I have gained a greater respect for it and also maybe tried to compete with it and learn something from it. Um, yeah. It's so interesting. Uh, tell us about the public programs because they're designed to bring you into more one-to-one -one contact with people and more dialogue, if you like. Mm. What are yeah. you doing in Auckland? So it, I mean, how often do I get to exhibit in New Zealand? This is my first time. And I was like, I'm coming over. This is great. And I've got a good friend in, um, in Wellington. So I visited Christchurch and then Wellington. And then in Auckland, I made a new performance for the show. And it was called M underscore doomsday brackets, shitney brackets, exorcism brackets, brackets. And that kind of coding language is to do with the gaming engine that I'm using to make the virtual reality. So I, I'm working in Unity and I'm using C-sharp coding. And I'm a total novice at this, but it's a great, um, it's another way in which I'm being an amateur in my work in order to extend it. So the performance was a 45 minute mini opera where I used the show as a backdrop to build another show on top of for that duration. And it included the three screen video. So I had to make two and a quarter hours of video. And then I sang a new album of songs. And it told the story of the Big Bang right through to viruses of the mind. So whereas Capsid is about 
uh, HIV, my current work two years on is about memes and how do ideas infect people's brains and also potentially how is consciousness an emergent property of the interaction between genes and memes, which is something that Daniel Dennett and Susan Blackmore put forward. So I'm looking at how do cultural forms replicate and how is that different or similar to how do genetic forms replicate and just taking a different angle on identity politics and uh, ideas around cultural transmission. So this, this performance was quite out there for New Zealand, I think, and it was very shonky. It was very rough around the edges and funny. And also the, um, the space that we're in, because we're also housing parts of the New York AIDS quilt, it's, been, it's taboo. And so there's a reverence that people are bringing into the space that I was not fully aware of. And my performance is fairly irreverent. So this was an interesting <laughs> collision of cultures. Um, and then the other public facing thing that I've done while I've been here is to read tarot. So uh, I have a set of tarot cards that I designed for Alien Sex Club that I brought with me. And the, you know, it ended up being three hours uh, of back-to-back -back tarot readings, which were really intense. And people really pour out to me their concerns and I have to be a therapist for them. And um, I'm dressed as a fool which empowers them to be very confident that they can ask anything of me. And what usually happens is something extraordinary goes on in the interaction in an equivalent way to the bars, you know, some sort of inversion happens. And um, I, as a stranger, can say something to these people that maybe a friend can't. Um, so hopefully, you know, we've had these odd public things happen. Um well, that's really great that, that you um, you did all those public programs. I, I wondered, like, what have you um, learned from talking to other local artists, maybe other artists who've been on the show, about queer practice here? Well, it seems like it's a, an underrepresented conversation in the art world, and that this is something that needed, it's very timely, and, and, and for Lisa Beauchamp to, to do this show, seems like it's unlocked a conversation that was there lurking. And my observation of the art scene here is that um, what, you know, what Lisa's tenure as, as director here has shifted is what this gallery can offer the city and the country, not just in terms of uh, social conversations, but also visually in terms of a different type of work and exhibition making that New Zealand doesn't have anywhere else. But also, I think that there is, because of the way the market works here and the dominance that that has over certain modes of display and career paths for artists in New Zealand, I'm not sure that there's enough um, project spaces or galleries of this type talking about these things. So, you know, I think that we need more of this. We need more queer shows. We need more voices. We need more, not, not just queer shows, but you know, there's gatekeepers in any culture. And it seems to me that the, the reins are quite, as an, as an outsider that's coming fresh to it, the reins are quite tight here. And <laughs> that can be blown apart a bit. Talking about structural things, I think one of the subtexts of your work is a kind of critique perhaps of art education as well. I mean, when you talk about turning up to an art opening and seeing this 
kind of monochromatic palette of, you know, uh, people wearing black, what have you, and behaving in a certain way. And you've reacted uh, in your art in a completely different way to articulate the actual authentic nature of your experience. Mm. Um, is, is there enough in contemporary uh, art education for queer artists to, to work with? I mean, where, where did you yeah. find your pathway out of that kind of behaviour or that? Aspect? I've had to build my own art history for myself. And, this is, and so I've, I've given three lectures while I've been here, two of which are at art schools, Ilham and, and Ellen. And what I've tried to do is be very honest about the way you have to survive as an artist and not accept the, the pedagogy you're given. That's your starting point. That's a version of it. And so what I've done is I've taken on a curatorial role from time to time to contextualise what I do and also learn other art histories that can help contextualise what I do. The, the, the most lavish of which was Shonky, the aesthetics of awkwardness, where I was tying in my ideas to Andrew Logan and Dougie Fields and Jacoby Satterwhite. So to older queer trajectories and new and current ones that are happening in the States and other places. I mean, I would say that I'm completely inauthentic and that in that uh, knowledge that I am a, a, not a self, that I am not John Walter and that it is all performance and memes, that's an incredibly liberating space to operate. So what, yes, you're right, it is a critique of the art world and, and the art education. And what I've tried to say to students is, you're signing up for an absolutely preposterous um, career, but it is doable if you want it. But also don't, don't believe the rhetoric that it is um, mystical, magical, um, uh, or, in, or, or somehow worthy. Like, don't think it's better than anything else. It's the same as working in the pub or the, the, you know, the bank. It's just another way of moving information around in the world. And I think if we could talk more openly about that stuff, we'd also get better art at the end of the day. Um, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe better pay for artists as well. Absolutely better pay. And I, and I talked about that yesterday. I said, you know, you need to charge for your time and for what you do. And you need to know the price. And if you give somebody a discount, you tell them what discount they're getting. But, you know, I am not a rich person with a trust fund. And I also don't work with a commercial gallery. I work harder than any gallerist I've ever worked with. So I make my money by project to project dealing with budgets, writing grants, and having a palette of projects on the go simultaneously. So the way I run my career is as maximal as the work. It's about complexity and um, biting my tongue and holding my nerve. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of, of holding one's nerve, um, you know, the work in the show in a way looks back at a disease, a virus that happened began and entered our consciousness a long time ago. We're right at the beginning of a new virus. Do you think that at this early stage of a virus, art can productively engage with it? Um, or do we need to give it some time? Should we yeah, all I online? That. Yeah. I, um, I was watching CNN News in the hotel this morning and uh, Donald Trump and his team brought HIV into the conversation. 
And we know how terrible the American response under Reagan was to the HIV crisis. And the idea that they've rewritten the history of that for the coronavirus, I thought was outrageous. And I hope somebody, well, I'm calling them out on it, but who am I? But maybe somebody more important than me could call them out. Um, can we deal with coronavirus? It's not the same. Coronavirus isn't interacting with cultural groups as specifically as HIV was. So there's, uh, there's less discrimination. And the virus wasn't discriminating, but it, it found opportune pathways that happened to correspond to sexual practices or other cultural practices like drug taking. Um, I think it might be too early to take coronavirus on as a subject. However, as a mode of display, it seems that people are being quite innovative in starting to, as the closure of galleries and events happens, people seem to be setting up new programs of filmmaking and exhibition making online that seems to be a jump ahead in time that would have happened anyway because of the internet, but maybe this is accelerating it. Well, in the meantime, I would encourage anyone uh, to go and see the show. It's on till the 2nd of May, but I, again, I would encourage anybody to go run down there as soon as possible. <laughs> Get down. Because <laughs> we never know. Hey, John, it was really great to talk to you today. Thanks so much for making time, and um, I hope you continue to find uh, sustenance from your engagement with Aotearoa, and, and we'll see you again sometime. Thank you for inviting me. All the best, John.